Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Monday morning coaches call. Uh, so glad to be here with you today. Uh, it's a little rainy here in my neck of the woods, but uh, after this call, I am hitting the road again. Um, this time I'm not traveling for uh, speaking engagements or anything like that. I am going away to a friend's cabin for three full days, just me by myself. And I am so looking forward to it. I've got about, I don't know, a dozen books. <laughs> I probably won't read them all, but uh, I, I just plan to have some time to myself to kind of pull back and and evaluate where am I at? Where do I want to go? And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to it. But I did not want to miss being with you this morning. So um, this is the Monday morning coaches call for those of you who are joining us live. Welcome. And for those of you listening to the recording, welcome as well. So, uh, today we're going to talk about a really, 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 probably in my opinion, one of the most important topics when you're talking about personal growth, professional growth, um, leading anybody through any type of influential process. Okay, so whether you're a coach working with clients or you're a leader trying to use coaching principles. So we're talking about perception. So I was in a meeting not too long ago this past week, and uh, we were talking about working with, with other people, and somebody said, well, you know, uh, their perception is just their reality. And it was said in this kind of mocking, um, joking tone. Um, and if I had a, more than a moment, I would have really addressed this because what that person said without understanding is, is the truth. You see, somebody's perception, how they perceive something in their life is their reality. Now, she said it in a way that really meant this person has their own perception of things and it's not the truth. However, she didn't realize that she was bringing her own assumption and bias into that with her own perception. So I, I say that because I think a lot of people look at it and think, well, because that person doesn't see it the way that I see it, um, it can't be the truth. That's the farthest thing from the truth. So when we're talking about working with other people, um, you know, coaching, leading, what we're trying to do is to help other people see and become more aware of their perceptions and how those perceptions color their reality and ultimately how their perceptions really deal kind of creating their results. So as we're going through, of course, as I ask you to do every time we, we have one of these calls is to really think of this in terms of yourself first. So examining your own perceptions, at least becoming aware of those perceptions, okay? And I'm going to ask you, especially at the end, I'm going to ask you to play around a little bit with, with perceptions. So when we're thinking about our thinking, we need to understand how am I viewing this uh, event and how could I choose to view it differently? 
That's ultimately what we're talking about. So I'm going to give you a ton of information, great examples, some stories about perception. Um, I have a feeling we may go longer than what is our typical half an hour. So just so that you're aware of that, I know uh, some people you can only be here for that amount of time. You can always catch the recording again on the podcast, um, but just want to let you know about that because as I was really putting together this script, I, I couldn't narrow down many things because I found that each thing I was looking at was actually uh, very important to me. And so uh, this actually, the this one topic has probably done more to change the way that I think and to change my results in my life more than any other topic that I talk about. So perception is really important. So I hope you have a, um, a paper and pencil that you're taking some notes. Uh, for those of you who it might not be safe, I understand that many people listen to this as they're driving. Um, at the end, I want you to think about what is the one thing you needed from this call? Okay, so, so don't worry about taking all the notes. You can go back and listen to it again later. But at the end, what is the one thing that you really needed? Okay. All right, so what is perception? Well, perception is our ability to understand something to be different to that which it appears to be through our physical senses. Okay, it's our perspective, our point of view. It's the way we explain things to ourselves. Wayne Dyer said something very clever about perception. He said, when we begin to change the way we look at things, the things we look at begin to change. I love that. So as we've just seen, information comes in through our senses and influences our thinking. But as that information comes in, it just is. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. It's just information. From a perspective of relativity, nothing is either good or bad large or small, positive or negative, until we relate it to something else. Compare it, right? And we need to understand that uh, this process of relating it to someone else takes place in our minds, not outside of ourselves. Now, that's a good thing because Aldous Huxley said there's only one corner of the universe that we can be certain of improving, and that is our own minds. The only thing we have complete control over in the whole universe is our own mind. We can't control other people, can we, right? I mean, think about that. Anybody with a teenager knows that. We can't control the economy. We can't control interest rates. All of those things are beyond our complete control. Now, we can possibly influence them, but we can't control them. The only thing we can completely control is our own mind. We can always choose how we respond, right? We can choose our behavior. We can choose behavior that's either self-serving or self-defeating. And with practice and an intention to do so, we can do this even in the most challenging situations. So as, as you'll come to see, by, by always choosing the most important and appropriate way to act, by regaining conscious control over how we respond to the events of our life, we'll move 
closer and closer towards our goals. Hey, listen, things happen to all of us, right? That's life. And consciously or unconsciously, we decide the significance of those events. We determine their importance and we do it through our perceptions. Let me try and uh, illustrate to you the power of our perception. So imagine a circle, and if you want to, you can even draw that on your paper, and let that represent an event in your life, okay? It could be anything. Now, as you consider that event, understand that it just is, okay? It just is. You can explain it to yourself in a negative way or a positive way. You can look for the bad in it, or you can look for the good. You can enjoy the benefits, or you can look for the lessons. So from a perspective of polarity or balance, everything has an opposite. If there's an up, there must be a down. You can't have a hot without a cold, and there's no inside without an outside, right? Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And when we are considering perception, polarity and relativity really complement each other perfectly. You see, if everything has an opposite and things exist to us relative to something else, then this gives us an enormous power. Think about it for a minute. If you're experiencing a difficult situation in some area of your life, um, maybe experiencing it as a difficulty because of the way that we're thinking about it, right? From a polarity perspective, there must be good aspects to it and bad aspects to it. If we're feeling bad, then we're probably considering the bad aspects. Now, I understand that this sounds incredibly simplistic and perhaps unrealistic, but just think about it for a minute. Relativity says that the aspect that we consider bad is bad relative to things that we consider better. And so it must be better to what we consider worse. Okay? But we're not thinking about it being better than something else. We're thinking about it being worse than something, something else. So if we're feeling bad, we're using both these laws against ourselves. Okay. So if you have trouble with these things, uh, these concepts initially, it may help to consider something that has happened to you that you thought at the time was bad, but that actually turned out to be very good indeed. Okay. So clearly there were good aspects to it and bad because you experienced both and your experience of good or bad was really relative to how you were thinking about it. Now, the truth is that we need the whole spectrum of experiences, good and bad, in order to grow. When things go well, we enjoy them and feel good. But when things don't go as we, we hoped, we really learn and grow. Now, I'm, I'm talking about human perception here. You know, there's one thing that does not have an opposite and doesn't only exist to us relative to something else, and that is the infinite, or whatever word you choose to describe it. Something that is infinite, that includes everything, can't have an opposite because everything is included. 
But for now, let's just really hang in this space of, of human perceptions. So why is the way we look at things important? Well, the way that we look at things changes the images we have in our mind. Images have the potential to release huge amounts of, of energy. And through our actions, that energy brings about results. And that's what we want to change, isn't it? So you get this image in your mind, you make a decision, you begin to act on that. So I'm saying we really want to look at how do you change the perception so you get a different image in your mind. Now, consider the idea that everything has an opposite. Okay, if everything was green and there were no other colors, then the concept of green wouldn't be necessary, right? Because everything would be green. And so therefore, it wouldn't exist, or at least we wouldn't have intent, invented a kind of a label for it. It wouldn't necessarily change the essence of what the thing was, but we would change the way we interpret it the way we describe and explain and label it to each other. It's the contrast that gives birth to the concept. Green as a category or a concept exists relative to what it is not. What's in the category, in this case, greenness, and what's out of the category? But we remember, we invented or created the concept of green. It's our cultural agreement as to what constitutes green. What is included in the term green and what is excluded that gives its definition. I mean, really hang in this place. This is really important to understand because this one little tiny topic of, of greenness, honestly, how you do things in one area is how you do them in all. It applies to everything in life, okay? So the question remains, does green really exist? Well, I mean, if you look at the whole complete spectrum of color, there are actually no lines or demarcation between one color and another. There's a, an infinite number of colors all blending into one another. We, and we've just decided where one color stops and another starts. And, you know, when you're young, it can take a little time to get your head around because we seek certainty. We want to know what the rules are. So th this was interesting. When my daughter was two years old and she was kind of getting the hang of colors, um, if you point to something that is pink, she'd agree that it was pink. But then if you pointed to something else that was a lighter shade of pink and say that that was pink, and then uh, something that's a, a darker shade of pink, that it's still pink, well, she had some troubles with that. We can have many different shades of the same color, can't we? And where one color stops and the next one starts, it can be really difficult for a young child to decide which word best describes it. The fine distinctions can be there if we want. So I, I heard somewhere that the, the Inuit have uh, many words for, you know, the concept of snow, right? Depending on the t type of snow, it's the same principle. If it's important, we look for the distinctions and we can find them. Now, here's something that Dr. Fred Allen Wolf po points out. He's the, the mad scientist from What the Bleep and The Secret. 
Um, listen to this. He says, interestingly, when we look at something and see it as a color, the color we see it as is just the color of light that it reflects. And the color of light it doesn't reflect are the colors of light it absorbs. It absorbs all the other colors. Now, you might be saying, Michelle, this is Monday morning, 8 a.m. I did not realize that I would have to do so much thinking as I was listening to this, but just, just think back to when you were in school for a minute. And remember that white light is made up of every different color of light. That's why when white light goes through a prism, it really breaks out into all the colors of the rainbow. Put them all back together again and you get white light again. So if we see something as red, so look around your environment right now. What do you notice that's red? Go ahead and just take a minute. What do you notice that's red? All right, so if you see something as red, white light hits the object. The red part of the white light is reflected. All the other colors are absorbed. Okay, so look at that red item, at least one red item. And when you're doing that, white light goes to that red item. Red is reflected back to you and all the other colors are absorbed in that item. And here's the point. The reason it absorbs those colors is because that's the color it is. <laughs> so when you look at something and you see it as red, it's actually every color apart from red. It absorbs all colors of light apart from red, which it reflects. So remember when I asked you that question, is, is anything green? You know, is anything really red? Okay, so we don't really need to kind of go down that path right now. And I'm kind of paraphrasing as we go through this, but I just wanted to emphasize the idea that we're responsible for interpreting our world. And it's our interpretations that we often mistake for the reality of the world. And the world can actually be very different to our perceptions. All right, so with all of this in mind, let's come back to that circle you drew. So let's say you're at work and the circle represents an idea for a new business venture. Um, I've got several coaching clients who are um, kind of in various methods or uh, places that are trying to jump out into a new business, okay? So let's say that that circle um, is you're at work and you're trying to start a new business. All right, now by law, that idea will have good aspects to it and bad aspects to it. Things that will work very well and things that will not work out so well. Now, you can either choose to focus on the good or you can focus on the bad. Both are there. One person may look at the idea and see all the problems with it and then swear that it won't work. Whereas another person will see all the advantages in it and swear that it's the best thing that they've ever seen. Okay, so the difference is not in the potential of the plan, nor in the potential of the person, but is merely a reflection of the conditioning of each individual, how they perceive what it is they're looking at and thinking about. Each person will see the idea from the viewpoint of their own talents and experiences. 
I can see how, you know, that would work because, you know, whereas the other person might say, I can see how that won't work because, right? As a hundred different people look at the same idea, they will see a hundred different things. Now, some will be similar, some will be miles apart, but all will be different. And that's because we don't really see with our eyes. We see through our eyes. We see with cells of recognition in the brain. The cells of recognition in the brain will determine what each individual sees. You know, an ongoing debate in a large business is to centralize or decentralize, right? Which is better? Well, clearly there's advantages and disadvantages to both. If you compare the advantages of one and the disadvantages of the other, it's going to come out a clear winner, right? But remember, the reverse can also be done if both exist. The issue has got to be responsible for much disagreement between people, right? Now, I said a minute ago, relativity states that nothing is either large or small, good or bad, positive or negative, until we relate it to something else. So think about this for just a minute. And for those of you who have followed my work and in attendance of trainings, you know that we do this exercise sometimes. Think about a cardboard box for a minute. Okay, you got that in your mind? All right. Is that box large or small? If you had to put a, put a size on it, would it be large or small? Well, compare the box in your mind to an engagement ring box, right? Then it's large, right? But if you compare it to uh, maybe a packing crate that a new refrigerator comes in, then it's probably small. Okay, so the obvious truth is that the box in and of itself is neither large nor small, it just is. We decide if it's either large or small through a process of relating it to something else. And that process, as I said, takes place in our minds. And we have complete control over that process. Maybe you go to the store and you're, you're looking for a new shirt and you look and you say, oh man, um, you know, this is expensive. Well, Compared to what? Well, compared to, to maybe a, a cheaper, inferior offering, right? Um, maybe compared to the value that that thing will deliver over the remainder of your life. The big difference in the thinking isn't there. We, we make it what it is to us through the way that we think about it. Okay? Now, we interpret and react habitually. Um, it's a, a result of our past conditioning. And these habitual responses are below the level of our consciousness, okay? So you're not fully awake, aware, and alert about these things. So our conditioning appears automatic. But that doesn't mean that they can't be controlled or changed by us. They can be, okay? That's the point of this whole call. They can be. The mistake that we all make with our habits, though, is that we want to control them with our will, with our conscious mind, right? So that idea of willpower. But as soon as we grasp the fact that we need to reprogram our subconscious minds in order to bring about permanent effortless change, that's when we start to really grow. 
So as I'm talking to you and, and you're thinking about this and how does this apply to, to my life first, I really want you to also think about how does this apply to working with other people? You're trying to get them to understand just because they have conditionings that have run their life and how they see the world, it does not mean that they have to see that world the same way. Okay, you can choose to look at things differently. All right, so our past conditioning determines what we see, how we see the world. So if we want to see things differently, what do we need to do? We got to reprogram. So I want you to make a mental note of that because I'm going to remind you of that when we talk about the importance of um, a goal card later on. All right. If we go back to those three boxes for just a minute, so let's say the middle box represents your income, okay? Uh, I was just at a meeting a few days ago, and I, I'm, I'm going to try to be careful how I say, about, say this, but basically we got into the very heated discussion, and we were talking about um, income, equality and fairness and equity and all kinds of different things. And I just, I went back to Wallace D. Waddles who wrote The Science of Getting Rich. And if you haven't read that book, you need to read that book. And, and one of the quotes that I always use is, he says, the poor do not need more money, they need more inspiration. You know, I find that to be true in my own life. Uh, I, I, many of you know, I, I had a, a rough start in, in life. And uh, there definitely was not a lot of money there. <laughs> but if I were to, to share my story with you, um, the one thing that I would say is that at a certain point, I got inspiration. And I realized I wanted something different. And that was worth more gold in the whole world. Okay. So as we were having this conversation, it, it felt like we were in the this area. I, I always say, do you want the problem or do you want the solution? It kind of felt like the conversation was all about the problem, 90% about the problem uh, and 10% about a solution. <laughs> and I don't like conversations like that. I want to move us forward, right? And so uh, I didn't feel like this group was really um, ready for, for my comments. So I just kind of had to remove myself for, for a moment. Um, but when we're talking about this idea of, of income in this example, I want you to have an open mind. Okay. Set yourself with an open mind right now. All right. So, so we're, we're back to those three boxes. Okay. Let's say the middle box represents your income. So whatever your income is, uh, right now, maybe your annual income or monthly, however you want to look at it, write that in, in your box if you're taking notes, the middle one. All right. Well, maybe we're habitually noticing the larger crate, right? We're seeing, oh, I really want to get up to there, right? And we upset ourselves. Or maybe we look at the smaller box, you know, a lesser income, and we feel good about ourselves. Maybe there's an infinite number of boxes out there and we're just not seeing them. Now, many of these points take a bit of contemplation to accept, and that's why repetition is so important. But let's look at how what I've just said could make sense. 
of all the visual visual stimulation coming into the eyes every second, most of it is filtered out before it reaches the conscious mind. Only a very small proportion is deemed to be relevant, right? And therefore offered to your conscious mind. So think about it if you're driving down the road. Your conscious brain does not need to know every single thing that you're looking at because that would be unsafe. Okay, so you're filtering things out. So you're only getting um, the information that you need. So remember the processing capabilities of the conscious mind are limited. Okay, and it's important that it's not overloaded with unimportant or unnecessary information. And the filtering that takes place is a result of our old conditioning. You see where I'm going with this? What you see, how you see it, how much you see is based on your past experience. You know, the simplest example is probably the ticking clock in a room. Um, you can hear it and then it goes away, doesn't it? On an unconscious level, you decide it's not interesting and it's not passed to the conscious awareness. You can consciously override the filtering out if you want, but it's not long before it's filtered out again because your attention goes somewhere else, right? Um, I bet right now your attention is not so much on the, all of those things I asked you to look at that were red until I just said that, okay? It, it's the, um, have you ever bought a, a new car or or perhaps, you know, a, a car that was maybe your very first car, right? Um, it, great example is when you, you know, you buy this car and all of a sudden what happens? Well, you see the same type and color of car everywhere, right? It, it's not that, you know, all of a sudden everybody else in the world decided to buy this car now. No, you're, you're keyed into it because your awareness is like, oh, this is important. So you see the different cars because it's important to you. Okay, your, your subconscious mind kind of just accepts what the conscious mind gives it. If you say, you know, um, this type of car is important, well, it's going to be important. But think how the same thing could work to your advantage. Okay, what about tuning into success? What about tuning into your goals? What about tuning into your dreams? Wouldn't it be nice if our subconscious mind was presenting opportunity to our conscious mind rather than filtering it out? Okay, it's, it's really worth thinking about, isn't it? Is it possible that people we see enjoying success are seeing things that we don't see? Things that are there but we're missing? Yeah, I think it is. Now, Imagine being emotionally involved with abundance rather than lack and limitation. How different the world might look if what we didn't want was filtered out rather than being highlighted and underlined and thrust under your nose all the time as evidence of the world we expect to see. All that is presented to the conscious mind is what our subconscious mind thinks we want to see, that filter. Our subconscious mind is always well-intentioned. It just really gets mixed up sometimes. And so how does it know what we want to see? Well, the filter 
gets determined by whatever we are emotionally involved in. The thing you love is yours, but the reverse is also true. The thing you hate is yours. Ask yourself this question. Do you hate poverty more than you love success? Do you hate being overweight more than you love being healthy? Do you hate injustice more than you love justice? Do you hate being shy more than you love being confident? Where is your attention? Okay, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson says, where your focus goes, your energy flows. Where is your attention? Because that is where your intention is. Listen, Mother Teresa was asked uh, to come and lead a, a parade once, and, and it was against the war. And she said, I will not do that. Um, but if you have a parade that is for love, I will do that. Do you hate war more than you love peace? Okay. That's what we're talking about here. What are you focusing more on? See, when I was in that meeting this last week and they were focused 90% on that problem, what are you going to get? More of that problem. So if you really, really want to jump out and solve that problem, we're going to now start focusing on the solution and how we're going to move forward. This is why when you're working with coaching clients, there is a time for us to go over the current reality. This is what's happening. These are the, you know, the pros and cons and uh, the good and the bad and the ugly that's happening, right? And we can't stay there. We've got to move on past that to what are we going to do now? All right. And perception is a really big part of that because as you're transitioning from that, this is reality that's happening and you're going into what do you want? You're asking them to look at perhaps the reality that you see is not the only way to see it. It's just one of those boxes. And so you can, if you can help them play around and create different boxes, different ways of looking at something and then say, which do you want? So here's all the options that you can think of. Which do you want? Well, now we have true choice. All right, now you're doing really well. So just stay with me here. All right. I know we're running a little long. I promise you we're almost done and this is really good stuff. So just hang out with me. Okay. So. This is about as bizarre as anything you'll ever hear. But since everything is energy and energy cannot be created or destroyed, then everything we'll ever want is already here. If not in one form, then in another. So maybe the only thing stopping us from becoming aware of it is that we're not tuned into it. Maybe if we could just get emotionally involved with the good that we desire, if we could get in harmony with it, it would just start to show up in our lives. Maybe we're already surrounded by whatever it is that we want or will ever want or could ever want, but our subconscious mind is filtering it out because it doesn't think it's important to us. Maybe all we need to do to begin to see is not to open our eyes, but to open our minds. Now, the point I'm trying to make here is it's not our eyes that we see with. We see through our eyes. We see with cells of recognition in the brain. There's much more there than we're ever aware of. It's our programming that determines what we're aware of. 
and how we then interpret and explain what we're aware of. 2,000 years ago, Epictetus um, said, we are disturbed not by the events of our life, but by the views we take of them. Wendy Dryden is a, a professor in a university in London, England, and he's a, a teacher of Albert Ellis's Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy. Um, and he's amended Epictetus' quote slightly. He said, we are largely, not exclusive, but not exclusively, responsible for the way we feel and act by the views we take of the events in our lives. Okay, Carl Menninger said that if we want to improve the quality of our life, then we need to improve the quality of our perceptions. So through developing our perception, we can see more of what we want to see, less of what we don't want to see, and we can become aware of opportunities that we previously failed to see. So, um, you know, I'm going to, as we're closing, one thing I would highly suggest uh, that you do every day for the next, well, today's Monday. So at least for the next five days, every day, at some point during your day, I want you to examine at least one event in your life. So this can be from your personal life, this can be from your professional life. I want you to examine it and think of it in terms of these three boxes, okay? So you're going to try to see it from three different perspectives. Some of you I know are really good at this. Some of you, you need some practice. Um, I still practice on this as well. So let me, I'm trying to think of an example, a good one. Um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take this uh, yesterday after church. The family went out to, to dinner. We went to the mall so everybody could kind of have what they wanted. Um, it was a weird interaction between my husband and I. He couldn't make a decision. Um, and I needed him to make a decision so I could make a decision about everything else that was going on. Okay. So if I were to put that situation in the box, I would say, okay, from my current perspective, this is what happened. Now I'm going to look at it and say, okay, uh, let's change the perspective a little bit. So I actually last night looked at it from my husband's perspective. Here's his crazy wife. He doesn't know what he wants to eat. And she's kind of, you know, having a moment and he doesn't know how to handle this. And so he's doing the best that he can, but he's, he's flabbergasted. Okay. Now I look at it and I, I look at it from the perspective of my children. All right. Uh, it's after church. We're all going to eat. Yay. We get to go to the mall and I get to choose this and, and she gets to choose that. And, oh no, my parents are fighting again. Okay. Now I can also play around and I can create other boxes of maybe I'll create an even bigger box and say, what would I ultimately like to happen in that situation? Now I can't look at it and say, I would ultimately like my husband to do X, Y, and Z. Because remember, what do I have control over? Myself. So what I want in that situation is for me to notice when I feel a little off, to take a breath and to change my thinking and say, what do I really want right now? Okay. See, this kind of an exercise is really, really important because 
the more that you do this over and over and over again, the more you'll be able to do it in the moment. And I need you to practice this as much as you can so you know what it feels like. So when you are coaching or leading another person, you know what they feel. It's really important in the process because that will help you support them. All right, so you're going to think about at least one event every day for the next five days. You're going to try to see it from three different perspectives. So you could, you could do good, bad, and neutral. And just practice. There's no right or wrong way to do this. Just practice, okay? If you're working with coaching clients, I would highly encourage um, those clients who seem to be uh, a little further along uh, in, in their thinking, maybe a little higher level of awareness, you can have them practice as well, okay? All right, so I'm not gonna hang, hold you too much longer. Um, I don't know what our call is next week. <laughs> I didn't write that down, so um, I'm, I'm sure it's gonna be great, right? Um, so I hope that this really helps. I hope it's gotten you thinking. Uh, and, and really chewing on this thought of this filter. You know, what is my filter from my subconscious to my conscious and how can I change that? Um, I also want you to, to understand this is just the beginning. If this is the first time you have heard this topic, this concept, let it blow your mind. And this is just the beginning, because when you begin to really wrestle with this and look at this in your life, it, it starts to change the results in your life, personal, professional, everything. Um, I am living a life right now that, you know, when I'm, I look at those boxes, I, I see it's a much higher box, a bigger box, right? Um, but it's so exciting to think that there are an infinite amount of possibilities for me in the future. And so who knows what's going to come out of these three days of, of a, a retreat for myself. I have no idea. I'm so excited to see. Um, but, but I say that because it's really, really important for you to have thinking time. I hope that this call today has helped you understand how important thinking is. All right. Well, I won't, I won't keep you any longer. Uh, thank you so much, especially for those of you who have joined on the live call. I really appreciate it. Um, huge shout out to um, all of my education folks who are, are setting aside time on your, your sometimes, you know, your time off in the summer just to, to join. I really appreciate that. So um, with that being said, uh, make sure you plug into the podcast. So uh, for those of you who don't know, we're on eight different platforms. Uh, you can find us. The title is Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. Uh, and you'll find all kinds of really good stuff, not just this call, but, but others as well. Um, and with that, I release you out into the wild. Go forth and prosper. Have an amazing day, and we'll check in with you next time. All right. Bye-bye.